Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, the 26th chapter. Genesis chapter 26, and we got down to verse 12 when it speaks of Isaac, and we're trying to give you an overall view of the book of Genesis, and now we've come to the person of Isaac. From chapters 12 through 50, you'll have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph that we center around. These four men, if you can... If you can sum up their lives, you can get a good glimpse of what's found in the book of Genesis in the latter part. We gave you the first part. We won't repeat that tonight. We have before. In 26 verse 12 it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. We said that was because of verse 3, because God said that he would bless because he had made an oath to Abraham that he would bless his seed after him. And you have that in verse 3. Now let's read verse 13. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herd, herds and a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. You know, the more you have and the more you do, the more you're envied. If you want someone to, to really <laughs> give you problems, you have more, no more, do more. And brother, you're in for it, I'll guarantee you that. It just invites trouble. And anyway, it says in verse 15, For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. These wells were stopped up. You know, Isaac is essentially the man of the well. Abraham is the man of the altar, and Jacob is the man of the tent. And Isaac here represents sonship and heirship. Remember, Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. And so he, he represents sonship and heirship. And thus, he is typical of Christ, the appointed heir of all things. You remember in Hebrews chapter uh, 1, verse 2, it says that he hath made him heir of all things. And so was Isaac heir of all that Abraham had. Abraham is a picture of God the Father, actually. And you know, Isaac is also typical of our heavenly calling. He alone is never seen outside the land of Canaan. And Canaan is representative of our heavenly places in Christ. And so, Isaac would be a picture of our heavenly calling. Isaac, of course, is typical of Christ, who reopened the wells of living water, which had been virtually shut up by the traditions and ceremonialisms of uh, the Pharisees. If you remember, it says in verse... Uh, 15, for all the wells which his father's servant had digged in the days of Abraham, his father of the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech, Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. It says, And Isaac departed uh, thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerah, some say Gerar, which is all right, and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. He digged again these wells. You know, sometimes we need to redig the old wells of living water of our fathers. And look what he says, what it says here. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. He was not ashamed of the old name. You know, our fathers in the faith, we should not be ashamed of their testimony of what they stood for in the past, the fundamentals of the faith. I've got great uh, preachers that I remember and, and teachers in days gone by who are dead and gone on to be with the Lord that I respect and I respect their convictions and I remember what they stood for. And we should remember them. And Isaac remembered these wells that his father had digged. And so he 
He opened them up again, and he called them by the same name. He didn't say, oh, this is a modern time now, Isaac. Forget about all, all about Abraham. He says, I'm going to call them the same names. He gave them the same names that uh, Abraham had given them. And they're typical and symbolical. We'll read uh, as we come on down. In verse uh, 19, it says, And Isaac's servant digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. This is living water. You know, the first need of the believer is the living water. And this is the Holy Spirit acting through the Word of God. We need to renew that living water. Remember, Jesus gave the woman of Samaria living water. Isaac digged this well and found there a well of, of springing or living water, if you have in the marginal reference. And, and the herdman of Gera did strive with Isaac's herdman, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. It means contention. Do you know when you have living water and the Holy Spirit working, the world is going to have contention. And they're going to claim that they have all the blessings from the natural standpoint. By the way, they were trying to worship authority here. They wanted all the privilege of drinking at this well, and they brought all the contention, but they didn't want to pay for it or they didn't want to work for it. Isaac's men had dug the well. You know, we got that's like the story of the little red hen, isn't it? We got a lot of people that way today. Who wants to eat this bread? I will. Every one of them, the fox and the who, all of them, they all wanted to eat it. But who made it? And that's the thing about this. These men had dug the well, and it was Isaac. But they wanted, they had contention. They thought about it. They want you, you just supply it. We want it. We don't want to work for it, though. You do the work, and we'll do the taking. We got people all over this country that way. They let the middle class do the work, and the people that are active, and then they, they say, why, why do you have so much? Well, maybe you work for it. Maybe that's why you have more than some other fellow. And so when we apply ourselves, God will bless us. And, you know, I'm sure that there are situations where that people have had uh, bad experiences and not all the things go their way and there's trials and problems. And we certainly want everyone to be blessed and helped. And we want to share. But we don't want to, the fellow out here that just doesn't want to do anything and wants to get all you have. It's a different story, isn't it? And that's what these people wanted to do for Isaac. It says in verse 21, And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. It means hatred. They began to hate him. He dug another well and they wanted it too. They strove for it. They said, Isaac, you dug this well and it's got water coming up. Now we want this well. Just as if they're going to take over everything the other fellow's done. And it's called hatred there. And then it says, And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not, and he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. It means room, Rehoboth. There's plenty of provision made. And this was the well of the oath, Rehoboth. No, by the way, that's not. It's room. We get down to Beersheba in verse 33, and it's the well of the oath. I beg your pardon on that last statement. But, you know, it means provision. What does provision mean? And what is that typical of? If there's room, provision made for all. Let me say that there's room for all in the atoning death of Jesus Christ. There's room for all in the glorious gospel of Christ. It's to be preached to everyone. There's room in Christ's loving heart for every repentant, believing sinner. There's room in His heavenly home for everyone that trusts in Him and in the provision that He's made. 
And on down the next verse, and he went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him the same night. When he went up to Beersheba, the Lord appeared in the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father, fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. You see what he did for Abraham's sake? You know, on the very night of his return, the Lord appeared to him. On the very night of our return, on the very night that we come back to the full place, the place where God wants us to be, then God's willing to meet with us. And he says, I'm going to remember the promise I made to Abraham. And he built an altar there. You know, I'm always fascinated by the word there. The place where you are is important. He builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant digged a well. Notice, when you're in the right place, things begin to happen. I've always been fascinated. He put man in the garden. No, he put man there in the garden. And always, you could make the statement almost without even saying the word there. He came to Beersheba. Let's read it without there. And he builded an altar and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent and Isaac's servants digged a well. You could leave every one of them out, couldn't you? It would make sense. It's still the same thing. But God wants to point out that it was at this very specific place that his blessings came upon Isaac. Then verse uh, 26. Then Abimelech went to him from Gera and Ahuzah, one of his friends, and Philcol, the chief captain of his army, and Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come you to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? Isaac says, You hated me. Why do you want to come to me? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was uh, with thee. And we said, Let, let there be now an oath between us, even between us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no hurt, and we will have, uh, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace, thou... Uh, art now the blessed of the Lord. <laughs> Boy, they're really coming on strong now. Just let God's people get a blessing and see how many people uh, crowd around them. They say, oh, well, pretty good. When you're down and out, you're the scum of the earth. But when God's blessings are upon you, you begin to be important. But old Isaac was a little more tender-hearted than, than Abraham. If you look back at what uh, Abraham did under the same circumstances in chapter 25, if you will, in chapter, let's see, in chapter uh, 21, verse 25, I should say. Chapter 21, verse 25, the same Abimelech, it says this, And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. You see, Isaac didn't stand up like Abraham did. Abraham, Abraham reproved Abimelech. That's 21, verse 25. But you know, sometimes we act too weak-kneed, do we not? And Isaac's meekness should not give way to his weakness. Just because he wanted to do right, he should not be so weak with the, the opponent and, the, and his uh, man that was trying to take advantage of him. Uh, verse 30 says, And he made a feast, made them a feast back in our text, 26th chapter, verse uh, 30, And made them a feast, and they did eat and drink, and they rose up betimes uh, in the morning and swore one to another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace and came to pass in the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it uh, Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. Sheba means an oath. Now, this is what I said earlier mistakenly. 
And Beersheba means the well of the oak. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, Judith the daughter of Bera the Hittite, and Bashemash the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. That was Esau. Became a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Now I want us to see something else. <clears throat> the 27th chapter. This chapter has to do with what? With Isaac and Rebekah and their bout with uh, the two sons, Jacob and Esau. And what happens there? We're going to find that we're shown the sovereign providence of God in this chapter, working His purpose out through all the human weakness and deception. Both Isaac and Rebekah were deceptive. And Jacob was deceptive. And Esau was deceptive. And through all the deception of the whole family, evidently this family at this time was not on very good spiritual terms with God because they were walking by the flesh and by sight instead of by faith, I'll guarantee you. And Isaac had lost his sight, so that wasn't very good, was it? So all these things, and even though he had lost his sight, he was still walking by sight in the sense that he was walking according to the dictates of the flesh, which is equal to the same in the spiritual realm. So Isaac and Esau seek to, to frustrate the purposes of God. See, Isaac loved Esau because what? Now look, here's the flesh. He did eat of his venison. That's all he was concerned about. He loved Esau because he ate of his venison. He said he provides food for him. How many times are we looking just for that fleshly or physical necessity or, or satisfaction? That's where Isaac was coming from. And then Rebecca and Jacob seek to carry out the purpose of God by using low motives and wrong methods. This is Jacob and Rebecca. They, they seek to carry out the purpose of God. Remember, God had already said when the two sons, Jacob and Esau, were born, listen carefully now, that the elder shall serve the younger. And so Esau was the elder, and so he would serve Jacob. In other words, Jacob would have the rights, the birthright, and the blessing. And God had already said that. And in order to try to, to frustrate the purpose of God, old Isaac says, no, I'm going to see to it now that Esau gets the blessing. He is the firstborn. And instead of letting God have his way to give Jacob the blessing, well, uh, Rebecca says, I'm going to see to it that Jacob gets this blessing. And so they're both in contention and trying to carry out and frustrate the purpose and plan of God by their own low motivation. You see, God's going to do it regardless of who uh, gets his finger in the pie. It's just like over there in the book of uh, Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that this Jesus was approved of God among you by miracles and signs and wonders. And he says he raised him up from the dead. And he says, you have taken him and with wicked hands and cru have crucified and slain. But he said before that he was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And you have taken with wicked hands and crucified and slain. So even though it was purposed that Christ die for our sins, it didn't relieve them of their wickedness in trying to bring it about, did it? So, you know, men try to get their hands in, in, in the matter. Now, let's look at it in chapter 26, verse 1. came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he, need, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old and I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons and thy quiver and thy bow and go out to the field and... Uh, take me some venison and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless thee before I die. See, Isaac said, I'm going to give you the blessing. Even though he knew that God had said 
the elder shall serve the younger, he was still going to frustrate the purpose of God because he still had it in his power to leave the blessing with, with uh, Esau instead of Jacob. You see what's happening? So Isaac here tries to solve spiritual realities by using carnal reasoning. He says, just go get me that savory meat, that venison that I love so well, and when you make it and bring it here, I'm going to give you the blessing, Esau. His sight was gone, but he needed some spiritual anointing of his eyes that he could see spiritually. Over in the book of Revelation, I'll read a verse of Scripture for you. In the third chapter, it says in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Now listen, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. And even though his physical eyes were gone, Isaac could see, not see that way. He could have asked for God's leadership and the guidance and had his, his own spiritual eyesight anointed with the Holy Spirit of God so he would walk by faith and not by sight, which he was already relieved of. And then look what Jacob and his mother do. They take things into their own hands. In verse 5, you have uh, 27 verse 5, Genesis, always hold your place where we're studying. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. I wonder how she heard. She had her spies around. She wanted to hear everything that's going on. And you know, it seemed like a husband and wife that were just at odds with each other. Now, I'm going to carry it out this way. Isaac says, I'm going to give Esau the blessing. Rebekah says, no, I'm going to see to it. And I, she had her uh, inside information coming to her. She heard all that was going on. She wanted to make sure she knew how this was going to come out. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, uh, before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, now here's her plan. <laughs> you see how people connive? Now then, she didn't have to worry. Why didn't she leave it in the hands of God? God wouldn't have let Isaac do this because he had had a plan and purpose. But you know, we've always got to enter in the picture with deceit and say, well, we're going to fix it ourselves. If you turn it over to God, He's going to fix it. When you find people trying to undermine and do crazy things, you say, oh my, if I don't enter in and intervene, boy, it's going to go south. You stay where God wants you and it won't go south for you. It'll be all right. So follow it down. And down verse 9, uh, verse 8. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me uh, from thence two good uh, kids of goats, and I will make them savory meat uh, for thy father, such as he loveth. Rebekah was going to fix meat that could not be told from deer meat. And this suggests failure to discern spiritual things as far as the spiritual application. That Isaac could not discern any spiritual things. Now here it was physical, we know. We know that I, uh, Isaac couldn't tell. When, she, when they finally did bring the meat, he thought he was eating venison. He thought it was all right. Two kids of goats. But she had a way of preparing it to deceive. How many people can discern sometime between spiritual and carnal? Isaac must have been in a low spiritual state at this time. And of course, it's it's not it's a physical state here that we're applying to a spiritual life as well. 
In other words, if he couldn't physically tell the difference, I wonder if he could spiritually tell the things of God. So it follows through that he probably could not. It says in verse 10, And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau. He put on some of Esau's clothing on Jacob, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put uh, the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son uh, Jacob, and he came unto his father and said, My father, and he, and he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau thy firstborn. This is his first lie. Jacob, he said, I'm, I'm Esau thy firstborn. I have done according to as thou abatest me. Arise, I pray thee. Sit and eat of my venison. Another lie. That thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Boy, isn't this a step down? He has to even deny God and defy God in the whole matter of telling his lies. He says, Now, the reason I got it so quick, the Lord just, when I went out there hunting in the field, well, the Lord had, a, had this uh, deer right over there, and all I had to do was just shoot him. I got him right quick. Okay? Verse 21, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. I'll come back to that in a moment. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him, and he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am and he said, Bring it near me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said uh, unto him, Come near now, kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee, in verse 28 he begins to bless Jacob instead of Esau. You know, Think about Isaac. His sight was gone. He couldn't see whether it was Esau or Jacob. And he tasted this. His taste deceived him, right? Because it tasted like venison, but it wasn't. So that was deception. And his smell deceived him. And his feeling deceived him because he couldn't discern between the hair on Esau's neck and hands from that goat's hair that was put there, imitation. So the only thing that was really true that he recognized was the voice. Look back in verse 22. And Jacob went near unto his, Isaac his father, and he felt him, and he said... Now here's what Isaac said. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. What was the deception? How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Right? Feeling deceived him. His smell, all of these human senses. His eyesight was dim, so that was gone. That was out. He was walking by sight anyway instead of by faith, even though his eyesight was gone. 
So his feet, his his sight deceived him. He had didn't have any spiritual uh, insight, and his taste deceived him, and the smell deceived him, and also the uh, feeling. And he couldn't tell the difference between goat's hair and the hair on Esau's neck. And Jacob just had the feeling that I have a sermon on this. You can't trust the feeling. You better trust the word, right? He said the voice is Jacob's voice. Had he gone with what he knew, he'd have said, listen, this is Jacob. He knew Esau wouldn't talk like, uh, he knew Jacob wouldn't talk like Esau and Esau wouldn't talk like Jacob. There was bound to be a recognition of that. All this other stuff could be put on, but he says, the voice, he said, I know this voice. How many times have you ever seen one and you say, I don't don't remember, but I, I recognize your voice. You know what it sounds like? You hear him on the telephone or wherever, and you recognize their voice. A lot of times I'll call people up and I say, this is Brother Joyce. Brother Joyce, I know it. They know before I talk to them. And a lot of times they do you. When you call up, you don't have to tell them who you are. Usually I do because it's just common courtesy. And you ought to, by the way. But anyway, on the other hand, what is deceiving? That goes to show you can't trust the feeling, doesn't it? Down there, the taste and everything. Let's get down to verse uh, 28. And here's the blessing. It says, Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. Let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had uh, made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. Took him longer to find that deer, didn't it? And he also made a savory meat and brought it to his father. Think of how much time had to be to cook the meat, to, to prepare all this. No wonder old Isaac said, how have you found it so quickly? It's not very, you just don't go out and hunt a deer, bring it home and serve it in about 15 minutes, do you? Or as long as it takes to cook two kids of goats. Anyway, uh, you see the time lapse. And look at this. In verse uh, 31, he also made savory meat and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father rise and eat of his son's venison that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. It couldn't be reversed. You see, it was left up to these patriarchs to bless the firstborn of their house. And you just didn't change that thing around. It says, yea, and he shall be blessed. It was as if God was saying, this is the blessing. And that's why Isaac was trying to do this, because he knew it would stick. Even if he blessed Esau, and God had said, Jacob is the one. The elder shall serve the younger. And he was trying to reverse this situation that God had purposed and planned, and it didn't work. It backfired on him. Usually when we try to reverse anything that God has purposed and planned, it's going to backfire on us. God has a way of blessing each and every one of us in our own time and way and will. But we must trust Him. And let's try to do that. And as long as we do, then we'll be uh, receiving the blessings of God. Now, let's look at verse 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. Well, as far as Isaac was concerned, he had. But as far as God was concerned, he worked 
He works everything out after the counsel of His own purpose and will. Remember over in the book of Hebrews, Romans as well, it says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. It doesn't mean that... And the word hate, don't misunderstand the word hate. It means love less, actually, in many instances. It means that in grace, God had sovereign, in sovereign grace, had chosen Jacob. And it didn't mean that he hated Esau so that he wished him dead or anything of that nature. It means to love less or prefer one above the other. And that's why uh, the Bible is very much misunderstood when Jesus said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and sister and brother. He doesn't mean that. He means that God must have first place and your family the second place that you must love them less than you love him. And you must love God first and put him in first place. That's really what it's talking about. And it's not that you hate father, mother, sister, brother. That would be foolish for Jesus to teach love and then teach us to hate all of our family, wouldn't he? And he told, told us to love one another and love our family. So he's not saying that. And sometimes that's misunderstood by people. They say, well, well I'll get... I heard a lady say one time, she went out here to First Christian Church, not making any point of that, except I remember that that's where she went. And she says, I, I've just given up all my children. Well, that's foolish. Give up all your children. Who's going to do that? It doesn't. You can put God first without giving up all your children. You can put God first without uh, giving up your wife or your husband or your family or your father or your mother or sisters or brothers. And so don't carry that thing out uh, so far that you don't understand what it's talking about. Uh, let's go on down. In verse uh, 35, well, verse 36. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? You know what Jacob means? A supplanter. And that's true. Jacob was a supplanter. You know, Jacob was a scoundrel. He, he, he was really not very... God, it must have been sovereign grace for God to choose Jacob. Remember all that he does? He connives and he works around, tries to work out everything to please himself. Jacob was not innocent in this situation with Rebecca. They both, they conspired together to bring this to pass. And it worked. But just because something works doesn't cure us of the wrong motives and the low motivation for it. Look, verse 36. He said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. The book of Hebrews, it says, Esau had sold his blessing, sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. This blessing he was bereaved, he did not receive it. And he lifted up his voice and wept. And it says that he afterwards sought this blessing with tears, but he found no place of repentance. People have misunderstood that in the book of Hebrews. And it doesn't mean that Esau was trying to repent. It means that he found no way for Isaac to change his mind and giving them this blessing. See? In other words, there's no way to change the situation. And some people have said that uh, when uh, Esau in Hebrews, where it says Esau sought it uh, with tears, sought this blessing with tears and found no place of repentance, they have come to the, the conclusion that, that uh, he had sinned away his day of grace. It has nothing to do with that, that he couldn't repent even though he tried to. That's not talking about that. It's talking about he couldn't get this blessing because it had already been decided. 
And when you get over there and study that, well, keep in mind what it's really talking about. In fact, sometimes when you're studying the New Testament, go back in the Old and see what it really says. And then you'll understand more what it's really talking about. All right, let's go on with this. Uh, Verse 39. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be uh, the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword... Uh, shalt thou live and shall serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. He got, he hated him and wanted to kill him. Esau was determined to kill Jacob. And these words of Esau, his, her, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. So she had someone that heard that too, didn't she? And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, for purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury uh, turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee. And he forget that which thou hast done to him. Not which I've done, but which thou hast done. She didn't want to take any of the blame now, did she? In other words, she got him in trouble, and now she don't... Look what you've done, Jacob. <laughs> she says, Jacob, you do everything I tell you. Now you do every command. You do all that I tell you. You go get those two kids of goats. You do, do this, and you I'll fix the hands, and I'll do all this. But now, look what you've done to Esau. You see, when it turns out bad, no one takes takes the blame, right? And verse 46, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? So she sows a word into Isaac's ear that he does, she doesn't want Jacob to take one of the daughters of Heth of the land where they're living. And so... Isaac gets the hint, you know, husbands, they take over and they understand what uh, wives say. And they say, okay, we'll do it your way, honey. And so in uh, chapter 28, verse 1, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Badanaram, the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father. Go to your mother's father. You know, if you could have left the story where Isaac met Rebecca, Isaac and Rebecca, in that wonderful love scene where she lighted off her camel and ran to meet Isaac in that honeymoon situation, right there, that would have been wonderful, wouldn't it? But then you see all the conniving and all the stuff that goes on uh, from then on. Brother, it really gets to be deep, doesn't it? And then you find here that she's still running the show. And it says, uh, Go to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Isaac is having to say over and over, thy mother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude, and give thee a blessing of of the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent uh, away Jacob, and he went to Padanaram to Laban, son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence, and that he, as he blessed him, he gave him charge, saying, Thou shalt not take 
a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padanaram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives, took unto the wives which he had uh, Mahaloth, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. In other words, he says, I want to do something that pleases my father. I, I, I don't want to be disobedient. So he, he was doing this in an attempt to get into good favor with Isaac now. Verse 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba toward the uh, Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. I want you to notice the difference between pillows and pillars in a minute. Pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. By the way, I want you to notice that. It says this ladder reached from earth to heaven and the angels of God were what? Descending and ascending? No. They were ascending and descending. Where, where were they then? Down here, weren't they? So they were ascending and descending on it. And also, Jesus said, Hereafter you shall see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He is that ladder. He is Jacob's ladder. Remember in John chapter 1, I believe it's verse 51, or long in there, verse 53. Let's see. John chapter 1, verse 51 is the last verse. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon what? A ladder? Upon the Son of Man. He's that link between earth and heaven. And not only is he the connecting link for angels to ascend and descend, but he's the connecting link and the one and only mediator between earth and heaven for men to ascend up into the presence of God. He says, No man cometh unto the Father but what? By me, I'm the ladder that touches heaven and earth. All right, back to Genesis now. Okay, chapter 28, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, my, look at the promises God was giving to old Jacob. Even though he was conniving and uh, doing all of this stuff back there, look at what God was doing for Jacob. He says, Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places where thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. You know, we, again, we say the place there where God wants you. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. In other words, he was standing in awe at the presence of God. He says, God's in this place. He was in the place where God's holiness was felt. Have you ever felt the very presence of the Holy Spirit of God and say, God's in this place? And you stand in awe at the presence of God, which well we should, shouldn't we? And it says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone, now look, that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. The stone represents Christ. And he's the anointed one. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to put a memorial here. This stone where God has appeared to me, it's going to be uh, set up as a memorial. And he called the name of that place Bethel. 
You know what Bethel means? It means the house of God. God's here. And then it says, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. Now look in verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way, that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Now look, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. Now look, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Tithing. Someone says, tithing's under the law. No, it's not. This was many years before the law entered. And by, by the way, this wasn't the first instant of it. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. And Abraham offered tithes to Melchizedek, which is a picture of Christ, the everlasting priest, priesthood of Christ. And this was all before the law entered. Someone says, I don't tithe because it's under the law. Well, do you tithe because it's under grace? Huh? I'll ask you that. And you know, if you will give your tithe, God will bless you. God has said, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel shall live of the gospel. The ministry is to be supported by the tithes and offerings of the people. And God will bless you and make your funds sufficient if you will honor the Lord with the first and give Him tithes of all. And you know, uh, every once in a while you'll have someone come along and say, Why does God bless you? They may ask you that question. You say, well, because I do what he's told me to do. Why does he prosper your way? Because he, you do what he told you to do. Why does he supply your needs? It doesn't mean that we won't all run a little short time and again. It doesn't mean that we won't have our difficulties with finances. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be uh, concerned about how thrifty we are and, and whether or not we should uh, prefer to buy one thing over against another.